Welcome to the UCC Show. Our email address is uccinfo at ingrammicro.com and follow us on Twitter at ingrammicroinc. Welcome everyone to this week's episode of the UCC Show. This week I've got Scott Wharton of Logitech. Scott is a VP and General Manager of the Video Collaboration Division of Logitech. Welcome to the show, Scott. Great, good to be here. Good man. Now look, you've um, you've got this fantastic title. Anyone who's got two-letter acronyms for titles is normally pretty senior, and you've got two of those. So you better tell us who you are, where you've come from, and I know for a fact you've been at Logitech nine months, and you didn't come out the egg. So where were you before that? Give us a bit of background about Scott Wharton. So I spent the last couple of decades really in the UC and, and video space, and I've been really fortunate to work with some companies that have done well. I started with a company called Mobile Tech, which was actually the first voice over IP company out there. For those who remember uh, internet phone and talk for free over the internet, um, I started working on that. Um, and then I went to a company called Broadsoft at a very early stage, and then was running global marketing for them. And then I took a hand at starting my own company called Vidtel. It was a cloud-based video conferencing service that basically took the high-end Cisco Polycom equipment and had it work with Skype and Google and WebRTC. And then uh, sold that company, took a sabbatical, traveling, and now here I am at Logitech. So um, you've seemed to have spent a career being at the absolute bleeding edge of technology, and and now you're a big company guy. You've joined Logitech. What, what made you decide to join Logitech? Well, I thought it was a good fit on a number of levels. So one is I was, as a CEO of a startup company, I, I liked the idea of being a general manager and focusing on lots of different oh. things. And as, a, as someone who was running a cloud service, working with all the hardware vendors, I really appreciated the idea that um, a company would have low costs and high quality hardware. And at the time at Vitel, there was really this Goldilocks gap of very expensive stuff, very high quality, and then a bunch of cheap junk at the bottom that really wasn't appropriate for business. So when I saw that Logitech had come up with products in this space um, and then the opportunity to join, I thought it was great because I really admired from the outside what they were doing. And it's, I can tell you it's even better being here because I think we're really on the verge of this big trend away from the high-end systems and more to, to having video conferencing embrace the mass market, but still have good quality for the enterprise. So I, I, love, I love what I'm doing and I love where Logitech is playing in particular. Yeah, it's funny. Uh, for those in the audience who don't know, my background's 20 years um, at the bleeding edge of video conferencing as well. Actually, Scott and I appear to have been uh, split at some point in our lives, very similar backgrounds. It's interesting to me that the thing that's held back video conferencing for so long has been the ability to mass deploy the stuff. And uh, you, you guys genuinely seem to be at the front end of that. It's, uh, it's an interesting time. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the things are kind of lining up where if you think about the things to do video well, you need proper bandwidth, and the internet is really very strong. You need low-cost cameras, and then you need, um, you know, the applications that really work well and are reasonably priced. And with the cloud services out there, whether they're Skype and Google Hangouts on the consumer side, or Skype for Business, BlueJeans and Zoom, et cetera, which are very robust and reasonably cost. So all these things are kind of coming together. I think the one piece that was really missing is that when you're in when you're on your laptop, it works reasonably well working on a on a webcam or an embedded camera. But when you're in a conference room, what we were finding is that everyone would huddle around the laptop 
and uh, use that as their equivalent uh, conferencing system. And for those of us who've done it, you know, the awkward, you know, HR inducing, getting too close to somebody and not hearing someone or maybe moving the laptop back and forth, it just doesn't work. So I think, I think what Logitech, the problem is solving is when you're in the conference room, not having to need the $50,000 system, but then at the same time, not having to go back to this primitive laptop solution that, that works for a consumer, but not good in a conference room and then do it in a way that's, you know, $250 to $1,000 reasonably priced. Yeah, it's interesting. The video conferencing space has spent the last 20 years uh, making the technology as as incomprehensible as possible, uh, whether by design or by accident. And things like Vidtel at the absolute bleeding edge of this and others now like, like, you know, whoever, Blue Jeans or Skype for Business or Zoom or Starly for all these other players, they've made the infrastructure of video conferencing effectively run a cloud solution and to so much easier from a user's perspective that it can now be mass deployed, but without a end point that's actually worth, one, that will work with all these technologies, and two, can be um, mass deployed because it's easy to do so and because it's low cost, you're really in, a, in an awkward position. Uh, it seems to me that you've become the Switzerland, and I know that obviously Logitech was originally a Swiss company, but you've become the Switzerland of the market because you'll play with anybody. Yeah, we're, our headquarters actually still technically in Switzerland on the Swiss stock exchange. So the, the irony is not lost on me. But the, uh, the other thing about Logitech that makes it unique is because of the heritage of doing USB devices, webcams, uh, mice and keyboards. I think that what we've taken is a culture into video conferencing and making it really simple and having to work over USB. And I think that's very different than a lot of the other video players where what they've tried to do is cost reduce, but still make it like a, like a baby Polycom or Cisco. So yeah, the endpoint is cheaper, but you have all the complexity of SIP and H323 interop and the servers and the background and the management. Whereas, I mean, we're really essentially a, a still a PC peripheral, which you can look at as something that's a negative and being simple. But I think a lot of the IT managers, especially in the enterprise market, they see it as a positive that you can deploy hundreds of thousands of our cameras and deploy them like, like USB endpoints. And people don't talk about, you know, what's your element management system for your mice, for example. So we get a lot of the advantage from a simplicity of the way we've approached doing video conferencing. Now, a lot of our audience um, is going to be, I assume, unless they're on the wrong, wrong podcast, somewhat interested in unified communications. After all, that is the name of the show. Uh, please leave now if you're not interested in unified communications. Um, so it's interesting to me that we're living in a world now where the, the secret's out of the box, right? You can put cloud solutions in. You can run your technology as simply a, as a kind of a video and audio accelerator, if you want to, for meeting rooms um, as an as a adjunct to something they've already got. So do you want to give us some sense, because I'm sure a lot of our audience won't know, what the major plays are. Don't, we don't need to go all the technical details, but some sense as to, you know, we've got a best, good, better, best type model range here. Well, I think if you look at UC, I think for the longest time, uh, people talked about UC, but including video, but video conferencing was in de facto run as a separate network, separate equipment, and, and, and specialized people to manage it. And what's changed is that video conferencing now is truly just another application that runs with voice and data collaboration. So I think it's, it's collapsed. Um, and it's collapsed in two ways, but not necessarily the way people in the industry thought. So one way it's collapsed is that in some cases, it's part of the existing 
you see infrastructure. So the PBX, like the phone system or Broadsoft in the case on the carrier side. But uh, uh, I think in the other way in that people have taken the cloud video service and they've actually usurped a lot of the data and voice that were being done by carrier. And now it's being done by next gen provider. So you talk about Starly for Zoom or Skype. Um, they really are a UC player, but not in the traditional sense of uh, monolithic in the enterprise, taking everything from the PBX out, but more replacing everything by making something that does everything, um, but really is a cloud overlay, which I think is interesting. I don't think people predicted that you would have these uh, usurpers entering into the enterprise kind of fr from the cloud and being native cloud providers, as opposed to being the traditional UC vendors like Cisco. Yes, yes, I think you're you're onto something there. That that as the success criteria change, suddenly uh, UC used to be the preserve of a Mitel and a Vire, a Cisco, those sorts of players, and now all these other folks, so that the Visigoths are at the door, as it were, for those kind of companies, and they're saying, oh, that's a the voice bit is a trivial part of the overall solution. We've got all these other things to add to it. Uh, it does strike me that. UC as an example, and we called this the UCC show because we wanted to highlight that technology. But what that even means is redefined every year. Um, it does strike me that every UC provider will define UC as to what they make um, rather than as a defined standard that everyone's trying to, to come to a single conclusion on. So, so, for example, video conferencing for a long time was an entirely separate thing to UC in the way that people actually sold UC. UC seemed to be telephony plus some nice other bits, mainly run over IP. And now things like Slack and things like Skype for Business and things like um, video conferencing are all becoming part of that. So the, the lines are blurring between what's a video conferencing reseller, what's a UC reseller or telephony reseller, and what's a you know, a normal run-of-the-mill IT reseller. They're all blurring to the point of it's almost difficult to tell one from the other anymore. Well, I think those are three good examples. Like if you look at Zoom, I think part of the success that they've had is that they position themselves and people know them as a video conferencing player. But I think a lot of their success is they'll go into an IT department for an enterprise and say, yes, we can do video, but we can replace your audio conferencing, your WebEx slash collaboration, and maybe your PSDN dial-out and conference room. So they, they actually, while they do video really well, I think they've had been successful at basically collapsing all those vendors and kicking them out of accounts, which is kind of interesting. Skype is interesting from a different perspective in that, you know, people think of them as this consumer widget, but it really is a, a UC play. It does voice, it does video, it does data, it does dial-out. So for for, for some small businesses, Skype is their UC play. And then, uh, you know, I think if you think of Slack, it, it's positioned as a, I don't know, even the what they call it, a workspace collaboration tool. But if it, once they start adding in the video and voice like they're doing, maybe Slack replaces your, your UC vendor and that becomes the primary way you're doing it. I think what's really exciting for me in this industry is that there's no one right way to do it. You may have multiple tools that also that all use voice, video, and or you may have multiple UC tools instead of standardizing on one. And uh, in fact, we see a lot of businesses that struggle with this idea that I'm using my internal UC approved tool, but then I need to do a Skype call, do an interview, or I'm running a Slack conversation. How do I do that without having to leave the conference room or have multiple stovepipes in the room? I think that's one of the areas where we have focused on is to try to make um, the UC platform be working on native computers. So you can have multiple 
use the applications, instead of just thinking about one like we thought in the past, you could have two, five, or even 20, and then you could switch back and forth during the day with the one that makes sense rather than have everything, quote, interop with everything. You just load it on a PC and you load a new app or you load it onto a, a mobile or a tablet and, and your UC doesn't have to be unified anymore. It can be all balkanized and, and uh, no interop, proprietary, and still work. Well, careful. I can't call this the ununified unified communication show. <laughs> it would just get too confusing. There's too many U's in there. But I do agree with you. I mean, even a few years ago, people would look at a solution, whether it be telephony or very specifically in video conferencing, they would buy one manufacturer's monolithic solution. And now this whole idea is kind of becoming irrelevant because now that you talk beyond just your own organization, the, the realization is that one of my clients might have WebEx and then the next person we speak to might have Google Hangouts and the third one might have Skype for Business. And internally, we might use something else entirely. So right. you can't turn around and say, we have one solution anymore. Not, not only because IT departments don't want that at the end of the day, they all work for their, the business departments, but perhaps at least as importantly, the business departments are now making their own decisions. And as a result, you know, I, I read recently that Gartner stated that 37% of IT budget is now spent by departments that aren't the IT department. So they'll go off and do whatever it is they want to do. They won't even necessarily inform the IT department. Yeah, you talked about Zoom earlier. I wonder how many Zoom installations are put together by marketing departments or sales departments or some other department don't even tell the IT department. Well, if you can just put it on your credit card and it starts at $15 a month, why would you bother? You just expense it. So you don't need to have the IT team's permission. And I think the other thing that, that part of the reason why this happened too is, is part of it, you credit card. But the other thing is that when you go to cloud, it enables people to talk between companies in a way where the UC solutions were really uh, focused inter internally. Um, and when you were intern only, you had to really focus on interop. And maybe once in a while you talk to everyone externally. Now it's so easy to talk to anyone. You just download another client and it just works. Now you have this issue of, all right, well, how do I make it work within my conference room? To your point, if you're switching between WebEx and Slack and go to meeting, can you, can you have it work on a single platform or do you need to switch rooms or stick a laptop in front of your $50,000 system? to make it work. Well, which is normally what, what happens. I think it's a bit like instant messenger, right? I, right now, I'm looking at the taskbar on my computer now. I think I've got five instant messenger stroke video conferencing clients open. And the idea that I would go, oh, well, I'll collapse them all into one and use Trillium. Well, no, I won't, because there's all there's things that each one of those things do that is more useful than trying to have a single application that looks after everything, which is always a subset. It's always substandard for any one of them. It's just not the way people work anymore. You need another application, simply download it. Absolutely. And, and there's a technical reason, too. I think if you, uh, with one of Skype's real innovations, people talk about the, the voice and video, but I think the biggest application, the biggest uh, innovation they had was actually getting through the firewall seamlessly without needing an IT manager to configure it. Um, they could only do that because they were going Skype to Skype. When you try to do what Trillium was doing, or quite frankly, what we did with Vitel, then you run into all these firewall natraversal issues that we now take for granted, but when you're trying to make it all work together, um, that becomes a problem. So the, there's an advantage of being proprietary and then it takes things like firewall uh, natraversal issues and makes them kind of go away because you can handle that within the same company, the same vendor. Sure. Well, and of course, once you have a, a cloud solution, then, then everyone meets in the cloud effectively, whether the user is exposed to that or not. 
is irrelevant and and quite rightly so it should be. So it's easy when you don't have to move from one island to another. You all just dial out to a single location. Exactly. Now you've got, uh, you know, you're obviously known as a video company. You're known as the mouse company, let's be honest, Logitech. But we obviously do a lot, you do a lot more than that these days. So you've got camera technologies, um, which I know two of, right, which are matter, that are above the webcam level. So do you want to just give us a brief overview as to what those are? And then we can talk about, you know, what happens next in this market. Sure. Well, I mean, you're right. I mean, Logitech had traditionally been known as doing mice and keyboards in the last four years or so, we've really branched out into different uh, areas. So music, gaming, uh, a lot of people might know us for Harmony remotes in the home, but the, obviously the thing that's near and dear to me is the video collaboration group. And I think what's interesting is that we started out, we were really very strong in webcams and there was an idea that we were getting asked for, how about you do something in the business market? So about four years ago, we started out with this product um, called the BCC 950. Essentially, it was kind of a webcam on a stick. Um, but designed for business in that it had the pan-tilt zoom capability so you could move it around. And uh, we sell that today for 249 list, and it still does extremely well because it's 1080p, super powerful, um, and it gives you a lot of the capability that a $20,000 system does for a, you know, a few hundred dollars. So based on that success, we said, all right, maybe we can do something for a bigger room. So we came up with this product called the CC3000. Um, I joked that when I came in, the, the code name was Colossus, because for Logitech, a $1,000 product was enormous, you know, compared to it. But when people look at it in the video conferencing space, they go, only $9.99? That's crazy. You know, does it even work? Um, and we were very successful with that. So we've now kind of rounded out our line where we think about the BCC 950 on the low end, Colossus. Now we have this product called Logitech Group, which has replaced it and now even works for bigger rooms. And then we have a product called Connect, which is more for huddle rooms. So part of what we've done is we've evolved from webcams to kind of putting our toe in the water to now I would say we've, we've got video conferencing solutions for the conference room that really work for small, medium, large huddle rooms, big rooms. Um, and I should add, I guess we, we've got a product called the PTC Pro Camera. So if someone's already tricked out their room with specialized audio, they don't need to buy our speakerphone. They can just put the camera in there um, and have it work along with it. It's, uh, you, you've done a remarkable transformation. If no one's looked in the last 12 months at what Logitech's done, um, you've changed the market. I mean, genuinely, as someone who knows the market well, it's, it's a different beast than it was. And the success criteria, as we've already discussed with all these cloud offerings, has also changed. So uh, for many... For many partners in this world, I think that there is an opportunity now to get involved in video in a way that used to be, oh, no, that's wildly expensive and it's, um, it's very specialized and there's all this stuff in the middle and very complicated rooms, and that just simply isn't the case anymore. Uh, you- well, what's, what's interesting about the opportunity for the channel is that in a channel, you want something that's kind of in the middle of being having some complexity and value add, but not too complex or too simple. If it's too complicated it retards the market and you can't sell anything. If it's too simple, you can't add any value. I think for the longest time, video conferencing was more in the too complicated camp where, great, you sold five units, um, but it was so hard to deploy it and people didn't buy any more. I think what we're trying to do is come up with things that are simple enough, but still have complexity in that you still need to deploy things in a room. So you need TVs and computers and wiring and cabling and, and installation. And there's a lot of, we talk about a lot of value for the channel to both uh, explain to people how things are changing in this fast uh, changing market, 
and be kind of the objective arbiter where instead of all the vendors pelting them with their unique and somewhat slanted and uh, self-serving messaging, the channel can really be the, uh, the objective one. Um, but I think also there's always going to be a need when you go into a room to be able to make sure it works with lighting and all these different components. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It's funny. We spoke to Jeff Yelton uh, recently, and uh, Jeff's a very senior exec within um, Ingram. And I thought it fascinating what he pointed out was, you know, the reseller community is now living in a world where there's all these different solutions and they need help stitching them all together. And no manufacturer is going to help you stitch together three different manufacturers' products. They're all going to turn around and go, well, we don't know anything about those, or you should buy everything from us, which is normally what most manufacturers say. So it seems to me there's a very nice role here for Ingram to be the guys who pat all these bits together. Yeah, and I think it's going to be a combination of, of having a vendor do some of the work to do some of the discovery and then some of the channel to put together the solution. Like we just launched a new product called uh, what we call the Conference Cam Kit. So Conference Cam for the category and kit because what we realize is that when you go into a room, businesses are buying more than just a camera and a speakerphone. As I said, they've got the television and the screens. You've got to figure out a way to hook up to the screens. And there's always some wiring and wiring issue. And I know it sound, may sound trivial to people listening, but you know, trust me, and I think Simon knows that wiring is usually the Achilles heel of any deployment, not just the wires themselves working, but you usually need some carpenter to come in and nail something into the wall or, or drill a hole or put it through some ducts or stuff. They're real grotty stuff that nobody wants to talk about. Um, and so part of what we did is we, we saw our customers really struggling with putting together the right components. So rather than try to make it all of a Logitech solution, we just try to take the best components that were out there and then have it all meet into the channel so they could sell it. And we're, uh, we just launched that um, a few months ago in the U.S. We just launched it a few days ago in Europe. And we're seeing tremendous interest for us kind of moving a little bit forward to solving the problem, but making sure that we really partner with the channels to, to do a lot of the heavy lifting to add value there. So, so you want to talk about what that means you know, what does that mean specifically? What's this kit look like? Well, so it comes with our um, standard um, video conferencing camera solutions. So let's take our Logitech group, has a camera and a speakerphone, a hub and some wires. Um, but you also typically need a computer because one of the things we've done differently is we didn't include the video conferencing processing along with it. So it could be a laptop that you bring into the room. But what we found is a lot of people actually just want to be able to walk into a room like they do with traditional video conferencing and dial without any setup. So what we did is we partnered with Intel to create a custom computer that would be specially developed and configured for video conferencing. So they've got a, a product called the Intel Nook. And then we specified the wires and a, and a, and a video conference and a, a, a keyboard that's made by Logitech to help you enter in things like passwords, which you still need. Um, and then what we did is we, we tested, we pre-certified and selected everything. And then we, with Intel, we QA everything to make sure that it works so that the channel and the business doesn't need to QA it. And then what we did is we met into the channel so that if you want to do things like get a Windows software on the computer and configure the computer so that it's set up properly for video conferencing, um, all, the, all the grotty logistics of getting the software to the right hardware, and then finally, at the end of the day, it's for channels so they can sell it as one SKU that a business can buy. And it may sound like it's not a lot of work, but for those who are listening with the channel background, especially people at Ingram, you know that, that pulling that off from a logistics point of view and doing it on a global basis is, is actually quite hard. 
It, you know what? It is quite hard. And the other bit that, you, that, because I've had a look at this stuff that you didn't mention was that there's also a nice front end thing, quick launch, which allows the user to have an identical experience and pick the codec of their choice, the, the application of their choice, whenever they want to. I've been following this market for well a long, long, long time now, and it's interesting that 20 years ago, people like Vitel were pushing PC-based video conferencing, but it was still a single application. Right. And video conferencing on PCs has been a persona non grata at the table for probably 19 of the last 20 years. And now it's funny that because the success criteria have changed because of things like cloud offerings and multiple different applications running, it's the most obvious as well as the most cost-effective way of installing video conferencing. I mean, personally, I think the idea of putting dedicated hardware into meeting rooms is really coming to the end of its useful life because it's so inflexible. Well, that's a good point. I should probably say more about the computer because what we found is that um, computers are strong enough now that they can support even the highest grade video conferencing, the 1080, uh, 30 frames a second solution, but you need to pick the right computer. Um, I've got a small story where I had a, a company that I was working with and I said, hey, you can roll out our cameras and do video conferencing. And then they said, what do I do? I said, well, you can put a computer in the room or laptop. So they sent me a, a receipt for a computer they bought and it was like the cheapest, oldest computer possible that I knew wouldn't even run video conferencing. I'm like, okay, now you gotta go return it. And we've seen that over and over again. So part of what we want to do is not just pick any computer, but one that we could feel confident that would work really well to an enterprise specification, would have the right warranties and wouldn't fail, et cetera. Um, but yeah, I forgot about the software part because what we also found is that people um, wanted the value of a PC, but they didn't want to just throw a naked Windows machine in the room that everybody could go misconfigure. And then you walk into the room, we've all done this. And then you go, what, what the heck's going on? I can't even use this. Somebody, somebody has hosed the computer. So we basically commissioned this software that would go on the computer that would balance turning the computer into a kiosk. So it'll allow you to load multiple different video conferencing apps. And even the apps that you use, like uh, could be Office or Google Drive or Jira for engineers, uh, maybe Salesforce.com. But the IT people could lock it down so that the end user couldn't come in and, and uh, mess it up. And I think we've kind of struck this really interesting balance where um, it's a kiosk, it's for video conferencing, but you can also use it as a collaboration system without having people uh, you know, damage the experience. And uh, I think we're getting great feedback for kind of striking that balance. Yeah, I must say, I, I think you are as well. Now, one of the things that Ingram did recently was buy NetX USA. And I'll be honest, they were an organization that was new to me. I'd not been in the UC space uh, or, or not on the telephony side of the UC space for a long time and certainly not in the US. So NetX USA was new to me, but you've got history there. Do you want to explain what your experiences are of them and what your thoughts are about their future within Ingram? Yeah, so I've had great personal experience with NetX on the, on the broad stuff side when we were selling UC solutions NetX was really specialized and, and very successful and competent at selling UC solutions that included the Broadsoft and, uh, and Polycom solutions. They sold others, but those, those are one of the main ones that we were working on. And I think that what they really figured out is not just how to sell kit out, but how to do it in a way that would connect to the cloud, be pre-configured and do it in a way that was very cost effective. So when I started my company, Vitel, I naturally gravitated toward NetX and actually used them as the 
distributor for, for my uh, hardware as well. And the beauty of what we were able to do with them is we were able to take our cloud service, take a third-party piece of hardware. They would go in and very inexpensively configure it, and then it would go to a server in the sky that would basically tell you who bought it, what their telephone number is or a video ID, and all of their... Um, all of their configuration information, address books. So it was, it was a great partnership. So I, I think that uh, NetX is a really great asset for, for uh, to be able to deploy these UC solutions and not just think about shipping out the device, but how do you configure it, update it, know who's got it. If somebody steals the device, where did it go? So I'm, I'm, I'm really happy for, uh, for Ingram and for the NetX people who are they're a great group of people. Yeah, I think it's interesting. I mean, Jeff, uh, Jeff Yelton was very happy about the whole NetX thing. And I'll be honest to say, when I first looked at the acquisition, I thought, oh, look, they picked up a bunch of vendors. You know, that's nice. Um, but actually, Jeff really pointed out in our last podcast uh, or recent podcast how actually it fundamentally changes the relationship between Ingram and its partners and the capabilities of stitching all these different technologies together. It's funny, many resellers and many people in the world don't seem to understand the real power of a good distribution partner. A good distribution partner has to be a lot more than simply a big warehouse and a bank. And I think that's what most people think of them as. Um, but the ability to get all these different technologies, stitch them all together and present them uh, through the channels to the end users as a, an actual solution is incredibly important and actually something that I think many of them uh, haven't managed to work out over the years. It's kind of crazy to me. But, uh, I agree. And you and I have talked about this, that as, the, as everything moves to the cloud, uh, and most cloud services still need some appliance or piece of hardware or something that works along with that cloud service, the ability for a channel to be able to take the cloud service and the hardware and the logistics and marry them in a way that's seamless to the end user to turn them up, is extremely valuable. I, I would go so far to say, and I think you agree with this, that the, the vendors that don't do that, I mean, they're, they're either going to be in trouble or probably out of business as most of the, every piece of hardware is going to be connected to the, to the internet. Yeah, so, yeah, yes. Yeah, I, I think we're at the point where uh, traditionally, uh, particularly in, in certain markets like video conferencing being one, a, a company could say, I'm an island and, and you buy everything from me and you will be fine. And I don't think that's true anymore. I, one could argue if it ever really was. But I think now, increasingly, clients are looking for overall solutions and no one does everything. Even the biggest players don't do it all. Unless you want, at best, you then get a, a, a solution that's, that's maybe best at breeding one thing and an average at best at everything else. If, you want, if clients want a best of breed at everything, it needs to be packaged together from lots of different pieces yeah, and if you extend it beyond the UC space, I mean, I saw a study from a French, it was a French organization that was saying in 10 years time that each individual household is going to have 5,000 IoT devices in their house, which sounds like an astounding number. But if you think about it, every little piece of technology that we're going to have in our lives is going to be connected to the internet. I mean, one that I know that's not related to UC, well, I guess you could argue is UC, is I'm familiar with a company called Ring, which makes a video conferencing doorbell. So for those of you who haven't heard of it or see it, you basically walk up to someone's doorbell and it's motion detector and actually starts a video call where you can talk and see someone um, at your door. So that's even an example of, uh, oh, doorbells are in UC? What the heck do they have to do with each other? Well, that's an example where you need to ship it out, 
has to connect, can configure, go to your cloud service store. You have to know who it is. It tells you when your battery runs out. I mean, and I think that that's an example of what everything in our lives is going to happen, not just for doorbells. Well, I couldn't agree more. And in fact, I have to say, and this really sounds sycophantic, but it's not meant to be. Uh, when Jeff and I spoke the other day, he pointed out that one of his departments, as well as the unified communications, is physical security. And I'm like, well, how is that all part of the same thing? And he effectively gave a very similar example to the one you did in that, well, what about, he didn't use an electronic doorbell, he used a different example, but that sense of, yeah, an electronic doorbell which has got a camera attached. Well, why isn't that part of my UC feed? It should be. It's, it's all data that needs to be something done with it. it it's, uh, it's, it's a fascinating time. And you say in 10 years we'll have 5,000 things. I've got two teenage boys and um, I'm trying to think how many internet items with IP addresses we've got in our house. I mean, it's probably over 100. <laughs> I've got two teenage boys too, so, you know, so uh, probably similar story. There's a lot of, unfortunately, it's probably a lot of things that we don't even know that are connected to. <laughs> yes, yes. I was thinking maybe I should do a, maybe I should do a look on the router, see, and then maybe I shouldn't do a look on the router <laughs> and see what those things are. Now, the other thing that you haven't even mentioned yet, but I know Logitech's big in, is, you know, we talked about the video play, right, and, and how that you're really beginning to become a major player in that market. But also there's this sense that you're also really big in things like, well, actually the headset I'm using to talk to you right now happens to be, by complete coincidence, a Logitech one. So you're also big in the headset market, aren't you? We are. I mean, think about how, um, if you think about the heritage, actually our group today is called the Video Collaboration Group, but it was previous it was called the UC Group. And uh, headsets and webcams and conference room systems, they all really are part of what a business would buy and use. And I think part of where we've created somewhat of an advantage in that you want to be able to take things like headsets and webcams, for example, and be able to have APIs so that if you're using a, a cloud service like Skype or Skype for Business or something else, you want to be able to have the things like mute, add, hold, and, and hanging up. Um, if you're doing them on your hardware device, you want them to be also paralleled on the software and vice versa. So there's a lot that we try to do that I think marries over from the video world to the audio world. Um, and, and then has some synergy together where if we're doing one set of APIs for, let's say, Skype for Business, and it works across our entire product line. So a, um, a company doesn't have to have one set of APIs and way of working for one vendor and then for another vendor. And we don't do it to lock people in. We just do it because it's extra value that you integrate without having to think about one vendor. You could, it's, it's all open standards. So yeah. At any time. But I think our value is, um, or what we're trying to do from a strategy point of view, is how do you make these UC things work better, not just cheaper. Sure. So, Scott, I, I think that what Logitech's doing is interesting. You guys have painfully uh, transformed yourself, and I think you can see that in whatever Logitech does over the last four or five years. I mean, you've really turned it from a mouse and keyboards company into something really quite different. Uh, I, I think that it's going to be an interesting trajectory, and I think that um, the painfully the audience should be looking into what Logitech does because the success criteria in in unified communications, whether that's video conferencing or telephony or all these other things is changing and therefore there are new opportunities all the time and other opportunities are also closing. So we've all got to keep moving. Is there anything else you'd like to share with our audience or you know, last thoughts before we let you go? Well, I think part of where we see there, there's a lot of opportunity to improve, I'll, I'll give you a couple of areas. So one is, I think we all know inherently because we use these products a lot that a lot of the things around meetings are still painful. 
And I think what the market needs is not necessarily more speeds and feeds, but they really need solving these pain points and meetings. Just to give you a couple of examples, if you're in a big company and you walk into a video meeting or even an audio meeting, how many times do we all have to enter the code, the nine digit code, where's the code? It's in my phone, it's in my laptop. Oh, somebody texted the wrong, the new code. I can't log in. Um, we've all experienced that. I mean, part of what we want to do is be able to do something where you can just walk into a room and basically uh, authenticate, kind of like you go into Starbucks where it knows who you are and not have to enter the code. I think the device that should be smart enough to know, oh, it's, it's Simon. Is meeting starting? Just start the meeting. Um, other examples, I think when you're walking into a huddle room, um, the irony is that a lot of times you're in a meeting, and I've been in a couple where you said, oh, yeah, I was, you're accounting what happened in a prior meeting, and someone says, oh, I was there. And you go, you were? I didn't see you because they were off to the side because these cameras are really designed for very narrow rooms. They're not designed for, uh, not designed for rooms that are really wide. So being able to make a wider field of view without having things that have fisheye, I think, are stuff that's interesting to us. And then in terms of where we're going, I think um, if you think about where there's a lot of opportunity just to make these things better. But, you know, I'll, I'll tell you a short story of something that I did with my son recently where we're, we're a big fan of the Golden State Warriors, as hopefully some, some people are, maybe some aren't because you're playing against them. And I asked him a couple of months ago if he wanted to go to a game. And I thought he would be really excited about it. And he said, no, <laughs> he's 12. And I, I, I looked at him and go, what? You know, what, what, are you, what are you talking about? Why don't you want to go to the game? And I thought about it in the context, of course, I'm in the UC space. So we always talk about with video that it'll never be as good as being there, that you always want to be there. So I asked him, okay, okay, Reed, his name's Reed, he's 12. Um, why didn't you want to go? And he goes, well, dad, I know that the tickets are really expensive, so I'll probably have to sit really high up, so I won't be able to see you that well. And then we got to drive there, and we got to park and sit in traffic, and that's kind of a pain. And then when I get there, I probably won't get the right food that I want, so I can get the stuff that I want at home. And he's going through all these things. He goes, and, and the announcers are so good. I love hearing the announcers. You don't get to hear them when you're there. And the cameras are cutting back and forth. I always have the best view. So he goes, you know what? I, I just think it's better being at home. And I thought, wow, that is so interesting. And that maybe we could apply the same idea that maybe video conferencing, maybe we should set our goals higher and that it shouldn't just be almost as good as being there. Maybe it should be better. Like if you think about taking the, the basketball game or the Super Bowl, where you have um, multiple cameras in the room, not just one, where you could see everything and you could, and you could move the cameras around, but maybe you don't move it around. Maybe you have the best of all of the directors that you get for the Super Bowl, but it happens through AI. And maybe you have the ability to read someone where you can see what their facial expressions are saying. So maybe you can see they're unhappy or sad or they're not getting along or they're not agreeing with your negotiation. There are so many things that I think we could do that would make the experience better. So that I think kind of our vision is take the, take the, take the idea of a Super Bowl and watching it where it's amazing and multi-million dollar production value, can we put that into a $1,000 conference room? I think if we can do that, then people may rightly say, you know what, I could visit you, but I'm just going to stay back in my office because it's better. I think that's fascinating. The sense of augmented reality as an absolute minimum, but even more than that. What a, what a fantastic vision. Scott Wharton, thank you so much for being a guest. I really appreciate it. I do hope everyone enjoyed the show. We would love some feedback and we'll see you again soon. 
addresses uccinfo at ingrammicro.com and follow us on Twitter at Ingram Micro Inc. <laughs>